How the heck do you get your business famous in your own town? Is radio just an ancient advertising medium? And does someone really have a better podcasting voice than me? You know, and even why Jesus told stories, because we all like stories. Yeah. You know, if I say, hey, Jared, I'm cool, or you should buy this for me, well, your BS antennas come up real quick. But yeah. if I go, once upon a time, all that fades away because it's just a story. My name is Jared Herzog, and welcome to Someone You Should Know. Something pretty interesting yesterday. So I was listening to a podcast and the host was talking about how they would do fMRI uh, scans on people to find out which parts of the brain light up uh, depending on what mood they were in. So the emotion, I'll just cut to the chase, that lit up the brain the most was enthusiasm, which is pretty interesting. You would think it might be like love, for instance or depression, but apparently enthusiasm gets you the most engaged. So whatever the heck you're doing, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a, a passion, a hobby, job of course, even what you're reading, man, you will absorb the most if you are enthusiastic about it. So find something you're enthusiastic about, is my unsolicited advice. Speaking of solicitation, have you ever thought about starting a business? An idea that sits on the back of your head, but you think, mm, is this really possible? Can I really turn this into a profitable endeavor? Well, for you sitting on the bench, so to speak, I'd like you to meet my buddy, Chuck Mefford. This dude is a wizard. In fact, he made his whole career on helping businesses understand why they're different than the rest of the market. Instead of thinking, well, there are already a bunch of wedding photography businesses or coffee shops or nose-picking YouTube videos, where, where's the space for me? If you have a good idea, and you've always wondered if pursuing it is a practical effort, whether you've started a band, a podcast, or just your personal brand even, this episode is for you. Also, please, dear listener, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps improve our ratings, which helps improve our visibility. So yeah, on iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. It would be amazing. Also, if you have any questions, uh, be sure to email me at someonepodcast at gmail.com. There you can also offer your corrections if you hear something in the podcast that you're like, hey man, that's pretty inaccurate. Let me let me set you straight, cowboy. I'd be like, I right, word. So, uh, and, and I appreciate everyone who has sent an email so far, uh, especially the ones who are like, dude, I like your podcast, man. It actually happens to be... Uh, on the street for the first time I had someone walk up and say I loved your Flat Earth podcast I thought you were really fair to him um, which also just means a lot and that's cool because we work really freaking hard on this so yeah please tell your friends and um, and I appreciate you dear listener for checking us out and everybody who's told people about the podcast I really appreciate it guys without further ado please welcome my next guest Chuck Mefford All right, so what's, what's the name of this thing again? So it's called Someone You Should Know. I All interview right. people I think are cool, independent, who are forged their own so way. How many have you done of these? Uh, you're my third. All right. Yeah. I did the a, first two? I did uh, my grandma to practice. <laughs> cool. My grandma is a missionary, though. She, I, told, okay. I had her missionary because, you know, she grew up in Africa. Uh -huh. So it was freaking awesome. 
she I didn't know half the stuff she told me. Like she was like she helped get a like high ranking official out of Africa one time, like yeah. when there she was surrounded in like a hotel with like AKs and stuff. Yeah. She like orchestrated a flight coming in to pick him up and she had all these stories. I never even heard any of this. That blow your mind. It was that's cool. pretty wild. Yeah, She's everyone cool. that's why I like old people, man. They all got great stories if you listen to them. I mean you just Yeah. You don't realize they've been around a long time. Well, they're walking, talking history, and it's the best. It's better than reading from a test book, you know? It's better than fake news. <laughs> it's the real thing. They lived it. It'll be a different version than what you read, I guarantee you. You know, I don't know. Because, Everyone's trying to change history. Uh, well, you know, I'm reading the Civil War book that was written during the Civil War about the Civil War. Yeah. It was an 18... It's original copy from 1863, and now what I notice is that it is un... It is... <laughs> It is shamelessly biased towards the North, like shameless. Well, the guy who wrote it probably was a Yankee, right? Sure, but it's yeah. like not even trying to sound impartial. He was like, yeah, the Yanks lost on this one, but it was really just incompetency here. It wasn't anything to do with them. Like, we lost it ourselves, well, you know? Well, it's going to be fake news because it's biased on one side. But it shows you how one guy felt. You should get the Southern version, too. It'd be kind of cool, like bookends. Or, you know, I read it. My dad was really big. Uh, Bruce Canton is really big in Civil War history. If you ever read any of his stuff, he was... Who's that? Like uh, an of, author? Yeah, one of the premier Civil War scholars. Canton, Bruce Canton, C-A-T-T-O-N. I remember that. But, you know, he's done all this, you know, on the what Pickett's charge. He's, he's broken down and down to just one battle, let alone Gettysburg of four days, let alone the Civil War. So, yeah, I mean, he's a... He's good. Check him out, Bruce Ken. This is why I can't keep a girlfriend's because I just start talking about Civil War stuff all the time. That's I'm great. Such a history See, I, nerd I like World War II stuff. <laughs> oh, I do too. But anyway, all right, let's do it. Yeah, my second one was a uh, flat earther. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're out of that one. It was interesting. Okay. The guy was smart, actually. I mean, I didn't believe a word he said. This is your date, or yeah, yeah. this is the I guy. Thought, I thought keep... you meant your second girl was a flat earther. Okay. <laughs> All Second right. podcast. You got to do an introduction here? Or what? what uh, I actually record the introduction All right. post because I, right. I do a quick overview. All but, right. So let her So rip. we have, today we have a really neat, awesome, smart, good-looking guy named Chuck Medford. He is a, uh, he has a company called Brandsformation, and he helps companies uh, figure out how to brand, advertise, and come up with really cool ads to make them uh, different and um, appealing. What is your uh, what's your tagline? I make people famous. How many famous people have you made? Like, uh, do you take credit for? Let me think. Post you mean No, post. I don't. Post is not on the list. Uh, neither is Danny Thomas or uh, Jack Lalanne. Shame. I don't even know why I'm here now. You don't even know who those names are. But uh, <laughs> Ed true. Sullivan. Um, no, I. I know Ed Sullivan. I, I make small business people famous. That that they'll, most of my clients will tell you. They might not be world famous or national, but if you go to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, if I say the word kitchens, you know Brad Schrock, because he's famous for kitchens in Springfield. He's, as he says, Springfield famous. So if you can be famous in your own town or your marketplace, whatever that is, that's more than half the battle. Harley, 92% know what I'm talking, 98% know what I'm talking. Most don't have a Harley, less than 2%, but 98% know exactly what I'm talking. So when you can own a word in the mind like that, like Harley or... That's that's huge. I mean, but how do you do that with so much noise? I mean, there's so many people who know that and, you know, do that too. But how do you be even more different, you know? Well, part of it's the product or, you know, the service that you have is, is truly different or unique or new. And that's where Uber or Google mm-hmm. or, you know, the first in their category, even Hertz Rent-A-Car, when they started Rent-A-Cars, Charles Hertz, you know, uh, rented the first rental car in America in 1911 
when he was 19 in Chicago. 1911? Didn't cars yeah. just come out around Basically, then? Basically, yeah. Wow. They, he probably rented horses and buggies before that. So, wow. But the point is, he, he was first in the guy. He was yeah. the Uber of rental cars. So, yeah. you know, when you're the Google or the first in, it's pretty easy because you're the unique, if you make it, you know, service. But the reality is most of the guys that I deal with in small, medium markets, uh, cities around the country... They're not the first guy in. They're they're an HVAC heating and air conditioning guy with probably thirty five other schmoes that say exactly the same thing they do. So it's a, what I call a very crowded ladder in, in some cases. In some cases, there might be a hundred people, but no one knows any of them. If I say podiatrist, go top of mind, there it's going to be a blank ladder as we call it in the mind. So that's pretty open ladder. So what is a small business to do in a crowded ladder? <clears throat> well. It, first of all, you say, what, what makes you so good? You know, it, it ain't to me. It's, it's frankly up to the business. You know, what, what makes you so good that I want to go to you and do business with you instead of the 55 other schmucks or, or hockey pucks that do what you do? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I'll give you a good example uh, that most people know is, uh, you know, a long time ago, the guy in the white suit had 32 incredible recipes or, you know, secret ingredients and, and came up with KFC originally known as, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So they've done great campaigns to reinvent the brand. And, but here's the bottom line. The average, you know what the average KFC does in America right now in sales? Uh, per store? Yeah. Uh, $4,000. Oh, no, a year. Oh, a year? Not a day or an hour. No idea. About a million bucks. So if Each I'm a... store? Yeah. So Is if, that net? Uh, I don't know. Net or gross. It's, okay. it's a lot of money. So yeah. the point is, if I own a franchise, KFC franchise, you know, plus or minus, I should do a million. Okay. So they sell chicken, right? So let's go to another guy who sells chicken, Chick-fil-A. So they say, hey, we didn't invent the chicken sandwich. We didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich, right? So that's their words. KFC, basically, 11 herbs and spices, whatever. But what does the average Chick-fil-A do? They've just now finally gotten up north, and you know, but you know, they're a southern brand and been around forever down in Dallas where we are. But mm-hmm. I'm talking to people like they've just got to Des Moines or just got to Minneapolis. They're just getting to the you know Midwest, northern Midwest. Mm-hmm. But what's the average Chick-fil-A do a year? Mm, 1.5. Okay, KFC, 1 million. Chick-fil-A? 1.5. Times 4. <laughs> 4 million bucks a year. So, I'm not surprised at that. So why does the same basic square foot they both sell the same product chicken is it four times better uh yeah so some people might argue that but what they'll tell you is it's it's how they train their people oh and you're talking about like it's how they deliver the experience of getting your chicken where they'll take your order personally now deliver it you know they never say thank you we'll never say it's always my My pleasure. pleasure which is a higher level of serving you than just thank you so it's that kind of you know, wow customer service, and you're always wow, whether it's homeschool moms or you're going to have the party there. And that's their thing, and that's why, yeah, it's better stuff probably, and people, I, I know people would argue with you that it was, hey, Popeye's is better or what, you know. So the point is that if you train, you know, McDonald's, you know, you're lucky if you get a grunt sometimes. And oh, yeah. So, and you're not, I always say you're not buying food there, you're buying uh, consistency. You know what you're going to get, mm-hmm. you know, and at least you know what you're getting no matter where you are in the country. It's the same. Right. You trust the brand Well, to be the, what it is. Either that or it's the same fish filet that looks the same two weeks after the back <laughs> car, you know, window of your car. But at least you know what it is, you know, and, and so... Yeah. That's really, I think, it's like uh, Starbucks. They weren't selling coffee; they're selling a third space. Yeah, that's you know Howard Schultz is all over in Europe saying all these coffee shops, and you know we don't have like this in America. Yeah, but it wasn't about coffee beans. It's just instead of there's work and there's home, and he's saying, hey, now here's a third space, third space to kind of get together and 
via Ola. That's what Starbucks really, you know, has pioneered and, and created. Now there's a lot of all imitators all over the place, which is good for warehouse. So is that is the same true today? Like, is radio just as effective for businesses? Because I think a lot of them forget. You know, probably in Especially 10 years, no business. one's going to know how to use radio because everyone's grown up, you know, using digital the last 10, 15 years. And an old guy like me, if I live long enough, I'll, I'll be worth a lot because no one knows how to make it work because they didn't grow up making it work like I did or, you know, people my age did because I'm, I'm over 60 now. But, yeah, you know, someone just, I did a private conference with a guy yesterday on the phone and wanted some time and I guess wants to talk to me before I assume room temperature and yeah. get some knowledge. But he said, is radio still viable? Is it's it still relevant? Yeah, is it relevant? Oh, yada, yada. But I'm, I'm kind of amazed myself. But, you know, the fact is, if you look at Nielsen, which does the radio and the TV ratings as forever, um, 92% of all people listen to radio every week. You know, at 92, 92%. So think of, you know, people say, oh, I don't listen. Well, were you in a car? Did you listen somewhere on the way to, you know, the drugstore? Well, Cause we all drive. That's probably why. Well, that's a big part of it. Commuting. Now does radio car. include internet radio or is it just, yeah, no, that includes internet radio. And okay. if you love, uh, I, the last is called Burrell is a nice uh, respected research firm that they showed of all, uh, listening, uh, of, uh, music, Mm. Radio was, believe it or not, 50% of all music listening. 20% was their own uh, library, you know, iTunes or whatever. Right, right. So, you know, 70% is radio or iTunes, and then okay. it gets down to Spotify, Pandora, you know. Yada, okay, yada. so 92% really just encompasses listening to something in the car. It's not necessarily... No, actually, 92% of all people listen to radio every week is the, the stat that I read okay. in the course of a week. Yeah, and, and so again, I, I can listen five minutes, or I can listen twenty five hours. I mean, but right, it's reaching, it's it's probably as big, if not bigger, than than even TV today in terms of just raw reach. News, I don't think newspaper people know that. used to be the reach medium. You know, yeah, most of the digital people admit it because they understand when you add broadcast radio or TV to a mix with uh-huh. your media, all of a sudden your SEO goes off the charts. Really, and they try to claim credit for it, and you're going, no, no, I know what happened. You just because radio, TV, it drives search. That's not me. You know, why did I just see Amazon, Google, and, and uh, Farmers Only on TV last night? Yeah. You know? Believe me, if they could just stick on the Internet and digital, why would they want to spend expensive? So much money. Yeah, because but they understand that drives people, you know, especially to their website, to their face, their, their social media, whatever. So it, because it's hard, you know, in, in the old days, uh, there's an old movie called uh, The Jerk. Guys, I know that movie. Steve Martin. And my, I'm going to probably use that in my new seminar, but uh, there's a scene where the phone books are all stacked. They just dump them on the corner of the block, you know, city block, 85 phone books on plastic. But, you know, so everyone grabbed their phone book, and he, so he grabs it, and he starts running down the street in his bathroom going, the phone books are out. I'm famous. I'm in the <laughs> phone book. You know, like everyone's going to page 5,292 and, you know, go to Martin in there. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when they got websites 10 years ago, same thing. I got a website. I'm yeah. famous. Yeah, you and 5,000 5, billion other guys, you know. Yeah, because so, so many businesses are trying to, you well, know, make we, it on social media. We all media. do. We yeah. But so how are you going to get found? <laughs> That's the problem. But why isn't you know? the same pro- – why is it not the same problem for radio and TV? I mean, these companies have a lot more – it's because it's more expensive to get on there. I mean, social media well, is pretty much free. And I mean – The difference is it's intrusive versus absolutely. passive media to me. Pa- sure. Passive media means I got to look for it. Most mm-hmm. search is passive media. I'm looking, uh, or you know, but but I, I initiated the search. So whether I'm getting retargeted or geofenced or whatever, it's still because I'm trying to do something out there. And usually it's now stuff. Um, 
So that's okay. But the whole thing with, with branding, what I do is how do I get in the head long before I need that product or service? So that's, that's where I like to concentrate on and do that long before the, the now buyer. But I'm all for, you got to have both, you know, really yeah. something that drives people to the, because the digital is generally, I've done my research or I'm doing my research and now I want to buy and so fine that I'll walk in the store, click and buy or, or whatever. But generally, if you're going to talk to them at the now stage, you're probably too late, you know, because someone got to them before that. That's why if I say, you know, pink ribbons, people think breast cancer. If I say right. toothpaste, most people are going to say Crest or Colgate cause, because whether they buy them or not, it doesn't matter. The point is they got to say yes or no Crest or Colgate before they go. That's fascinating, man. So they got their, yeah. their head first. So there's a lot of brands like that have done that. It's weird it's, to think about that. You think, well, social media has such a giant reach. Everybody's on it. You know, billions of people are on Facebook. Like, why am I not putting like, you know, 200 bucks into a, you know, a national Facebook whatever campaign ad. You know, That's what you're trying to do, but you know, social media is not paid. Probably your type of company too. Well, and again, you want to be social. You try to sell someone on Facebook. I think people, the you know, antennas, go, BS antennas, go. Wait, what are you trying to do here? This is not. Yeah. Paid media. It's not ever. It's social. You know. So. Yeah. And and like we just talked to one of our newest client is a a big uh, garage door company in in uh, Midwest and. And but and we're going to run their Facebook as part of our campaign, just only because we want to make sure it's all integrated. And, yeah. And so no matter where I go, so they're consistent. Yeah, visually, yeah. there's a great author uh, many years ago named uh, Jack Trout, and, and and his partner Al Reese actually wrote a book called Positioning. Well, Al Reese had a had a daughter who put out uh, two books actually, which I think are really apropos today. One was on. Uh, art or vision or visual stuff. It was called everyone's got to have a visual hammer, a yeah. logo, you know, something. But in the end, it wasn't probably the visual hammer that really gets the emotion going. You don't get expired just because you see a Geico logo, right? Mm. But it's it's always, in the end, it's more about the words, which is called the battle cry. What words do you mean? 15 minutes, 15%. <laughs> mm. Geico, that's their it's battle their cry. Yeah. Yeah, well, to me, that's their differentiating idea. Yeah. You know, it's, it's even more than a slogan. It's why we're different from the other guys. The slogan is more... Bluff with fluff, we'll leave the light on for you. But a true difference maker is the lowest price hotel chain in America. A little more, a little place, a little less, but always the lowest price hotel chain. So that's a difference maker yeah. versus we'll leave the light on for you. So, you know, they just start looking and listening to products and, and marketing. You start saying, is that a true difference idea or are they just bluffing with fluff? Or sometimes alliteratives, you need them because there's so many uh, competitors in a category. Uh, and, and that seems to be very sticky. In fact, uh, the... Reese was talking about that in her book where like uh, toys for tots, you mm. know, or or anything that double Dunkin' Donut, even though Dunkin' is, I think, pretty foolish to get rid of the word donut, which they're going to do now. Really? Yeah. America runs on Dunkin', is that why? Well, that, that makes sense to you and I, but, you know, 10 years from now, someone's going to go, what, what is a Dunkin'? They won't know. Mm. You know, we all know it because we grew up with Dunkin' Donuts, but... Some wank, you know, looked at the research and said, uh, wow, 60% of what we do is coffee. So let's get rid of the word donuts. So that's what happened. Hmm. So that's like the guy from Sears who goes, let's get rid of brands like Briggs and Stratton and, and Kenmore because who cares, you know. They just went bankrupt, didn't they? All they had was those brands, and they got rid of all those. You know, what dummies. So, so in today's, like, let's say I wanted to start a small business and – my business wasn't particularly unique. Like, let's say I wanted to do, I don't know, repurpose washing machines and dryers or something. I fix them up and sell them. I don't know. Okay. How do I differentiate myself if I'm really not that different? 
Well, first of all, why did you pick that? Just to make money? Or are you trying to make? I'm a, good at it. Are you trying to make a difference in people's lives? I enjoy it. Okay, and you and you can look them in the eyes. I can I can probably save you money by re getting this going a little bit longer than you going out buying a new one for two grand, a new set of washer and dryer, or like that. So you got a skill or a talent? You're telling me. Yeah, I'm just saying All for right. I'm I'm. So you're Dan Dan the washing machine man or or something where you you again dig that diamond out of the dirt and hold that, shine that puppy off for all the world to see. And out of all my choices of appliance repair, who are you? I'm Dan, Dan, the washing machine repair man. And so I guess my question is, how does uh, any business, like let's just say somebody's listening to this who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur in some way or fashion, how yeah. do they develop that differentiating factor? Where do, they need, where do they need to look? You know, first of all, you can have existing businesses that, that uh, have been out there, but you can accelerate greatly because they just don't know how to market. Yeah. And they have what I call open ladders. I'll give you an example. Okay, there's a guy in, in Des Moines we worked with recently, and it's a septic system, okay, a septic company. Well, how many top-of-mind septic companies? BMI. That's a garbage disposal company. Okay. So, but you're <laughs> I close. Tried. Oh, that was this garbage. So, but anyway... It, this guy had uh, like the state fair contract for Iowa, you know, so he had the number one porta potty contract for the state fair. Yeah. He did commercial septic stuff, pumping out, you know, septic tanks, I guess, and whatever. So, and he had another division, three. And so they go, well, how do we tie all these together? Well, yeah. no one cares, first of all. I mean, so what you do, because no one cares about, it, no one wakes up in, in Des Moines and says, I need me some uh, septic commercial division, you know. So you say, what do they need? Well, probably, you know, if I gonna have a party, I need some porta potties. Then, then I'm buying porta potties. So talk about what you're doing. You know, you got a lot of people, and you know that means you're gonna. If you don't want your bathrooms overflowing, you better bring it. Or if you got a, uh, maybe you're not as big as the state fair, but you know we can do that. We can handle your party in the back. And and by the way, your commercial thing, and and you don't want things smelling or clogging. That's why. But okay. all those are, this guy's name was, it was called Bob Septic, okay? Yeah. So, you know, he just started, we just said, all you got to do is tell people that's a job for Bob. Job for Bob, you nice. Know, you need porta potties? That's a job for Bob. You, you're getting clogged up in your business? Job for Bob, you know? Things don't smell. Not, but a job a, for Bob's not really a differentiating a, factor. No, it's just an alliterative, and it's memorable. And, okay. And again, how many septic companies own none? So if you start hearing Bob Septic, that's a job for Bob. Bob Septic, job, job. So, and here's the big thing. So that's the strategy or strategy-based yeah. message. Okay. What the easiest thing that people don't get and why I think radio or TV can be so powerful is it has the ability to pin the same listeners or viewers down over a long period right. of time. Because they come back to the same radio programs, same people they listen to for, you know, announcers or... TV programs, you know, they'll come back every day to watch Seinfeld. Or, Unlike or social friends. media. So, yeah, now I'm now, again, instead of I'm searching for now, it's coming at me because right. they know you're going to be sitting. I call it like in my new book, I said, and I got a picture of a stadium in one of the chapters, and, the, and mm -hmm. basically it is quit talking to parades. Social media is a parade, and there's no guarantee they're going to be back tomorrow. Radio, TV is a stadium. It's the same people every darn day. Yeah. So if I can hit you, that's a job for Bob. That's a job for Bob. That's a job for Bob. That was three times in seven nights. Now, we're going to go 51 more weeks. Here we go. Job for Bob. Job for Bob. Hey, Jared, job for Bob. That was another week. 50 weeks left. You want to go? Here we go. Job for Bob. Job for Bob. Hey, that's yeah. it. Now, I'm going to do that 21, 25, 30 times a week yeah. on, a, on a radio station. So that means I'll hit you three times yeah. within a week. What that means at the end of a year, 
you got to say yes or no to job or Bob. Yeah. But reason, you're aware that he's there. That's gotta, the like thing. I said, you got to say yes or no to porta potties. But you know, job for Bob. Yeah. In most cases, they don't know you. Yep. You never got there. Yep. And in Bob's case, they got to say yes or no to Bob before they go someone else. If you or anyone listening to this now or anyone have a business, if you say, if I, they always have to say yes or no to me before they go to my competition, wouldn't that give me a severe competitive advantage? Oh, yeah. Well, and that's why I just came from Rochester, a carpet store, and uh, their name was Junkies. What okay. the heck is a J-U-N-G-E. J-U-N-G-E. That's their name. It was you know, okay. Norwegian. I'm not sure, but okay. it's, it's called Junkies, and they're great people, Mindy, and I forgot the husband's name, Bob, and great people. And so it was just getting that no one was really that competitive in carpet at the time. And uh, so we just gave them some labels or some stickiness. They're really good people. They were yeah. doing well. Well, and so one way is to get them, you know, what is junkies? How do I? So we just started that. It's just like jungle without the L. Okay, now we know how to spell it. Just junkies. Like, okay. were just like jungle without the L. So, okay. and that's in their jingle, actually. And then the other is their family business, the father, the wife, you know, and, and the, the daughter. So I said, well, I said, are you the family? Are they our family? No. I said, okay, so you're the first family of flooring in Rochester. So Jungies, the first family of flooring, it's just like jungle without the L. Hmm. Well, a year after, you know, pinning one group of people down on one radio station, basically, they've doubled their sales. And, and just the end, from that? It was a, no, it's because these guys are great people, and they got a good product, and they're good at what they do. Yeah. We just threw gas on it. And that's all I think branding or radio or TV, all these people, all they're doing with a good message and enough frequency against the same people over a repetitive period of time, all you're, that's focused and that throws gas on the most important thing ever is, is word of mouth. It always will be. Really? So if I can accelerate, what I do for people is I tell them, I'll get you there 100 times faster, either good or bad or wherever you're going, I'm going to accelerate what's going to happen. Because yeah. we'll get a lot of people coming and they're going to, a lot of love you or you're going to, that social media is going to turn against you and you're screwed. So... You better be ready because if you start asking people to show up, they're going to show up. Yeah. So it's not that hard. You better have a good business and, and have your A game because marketing is just one of five elements of any successful business. You know, the Harvard School of Business says there's five. Yeah. Well, one's advertising. The other four are on the business owner's back. You know, how good is your uh, uh, store or, or mm-hmm. your product? You know, how good is your sales force? How good is your pricing? So the, most of the factors are, frankly, on the business owner. Marketing is just one. But if you're good at the other four, then then the, this is will take you is a, over the out of the park. You know, you just got to be good at what you do, and then figure out a way to tell the marketplace. Yeah. Here's here's what hasn't changed in 50 years, and and I've actually lived that long, is that the concept, the game, hasn't changed. The game is still one thing. How do I get the essence of who I am, my business? whether I'm a car wrap, a window washer, or a multi-multi-million dollar garage door company, how do I get the essence of who I am into the minds of the masses? Yeah. It's transferring that. How do I tell everyone? How do I, how do I become famous in the marketplace, right? That yeah. hasn't changed. That, so, but what, what has changed in 50 years dramatically is the tactics. There's a billion more ways I can get to the mind that I didn't have my resources 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I hear this World Wide Web thing might stick around for a while. I might make it, you know? So, yeah. well, you know, no one had Snapchat, Instagram. No one was swiping left or right. You know, they didn't even know what... So now it's... so. But again, it's fragmented. People are searching. And so I'm all for something, what I call those tactics of whether it's social media or... But the, whole, the, but the principles 
stay the same, whether it's mass media or social media, and they all, anyone in digital with digital marketing firms will tell me that's exactly right. It's one cup at a time. And that's the easiest thing to fix. You know, quit. People confuse reach with true penetration results, return on investment. But just because you're on something that's allegedly reaching 50,000 viewers, readers, listeners, doesn't mean you're actually, they're, they're hearing you or seeing you or talk. So I know if it's the same people and I can hit them three or four times within a week's and I can do that week after week. At the end, again, they're going to be sick of me. The yeah. only reason they're going to buy, not buy from me is because they don't like me. Why they don't buy from most people is they don't know them. So that's why I know it works, and I've been doing it too many times. I've been hugged too many times, and more importantly, I'm paid based on results. So that's everything. And that's pretty rare in marketing. Yeah, uh, So yeah, it and that's kind of why there's been a pushback, I think, a little back at this point because of, like, Procter & Gamble just cut $200 million in digital pushback because it's not about the activity, you know. It's about the results. Yeah. And I can see a lot of incredible activity, certainly with the metrics and dashboards of, of the digital age, you know. Yeah. And I can see when they left that guy's store, came to my store, I can see... It's pretty fascinating. Lot, but, you know, what I never see is show me when they actually bought the thing. Mm. And that's store sales to me. Hmm. And so, and I'd rather be measured on sales, not activity. There's a great Adobe TV ad that I used to play, and it, it uh, was a, it's like a guy who's, who sells an encyclopedia, an encyclopedia company, and, and uh, it starts out with this guy rushing in with his chart. He goes, look it. He goes, the clicks are off the charts. And he's going, oh, my God. He goes, he goes, we're back. And then they're going, we need more paper. And he goes, we need more trees. You know, we're making more encyclopedias. And, and they play this music we used to listen to in, in, uh, as kids for cartoons. It was like, bum, 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 you know, kept going progressively. Bum, 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 bum. Uh -huh. And so that great background music. And, and the guys, the trucks are going, the ships are shipping, the trees are coming down. And he goes, we're back, we're back. And you see the, all of a sudden all these encyclopedias printed being boxed and shipping out over, you know. <laughs> at the end, it's, they show just one little kid pressing this button on his laptop about 85 times a second. <laughs> and the mom and dad look at him, they go, he sure has fun with that thing. And you look at it, it says, buy encyclopedias. Is the... <laughs> so, you know, don't confuse activity for results. Yeah. I'm all for activity, but in the end, if it didn't drive sales, Who why cares? are we doing it? So that age of accountability is come, coming into play with digital now, finally. It's not the shiny new toy or the darling. It's show me the money. And that's appropriate because every media in the end better you know, justify why are they doing this because there's a lot better ways to piss away money than doing an advertising. And most people do, frankly. you know, uh, Give it away to a good cause, you know, but don't do it through advertising. That's not the way to be philanthropic. So Yeah. So if a company uh, maybe not had... If a company doesn't have maybe the greatest idea, do you think that advertising is a good idea for them like in, in other words like if they are they, if have, they don't have a good product or service if, if their product isn't really that unique or that exciting should be i mean is advertising going to work for them the same probably not in the long run you know short term you can probably sell a lot of stuff to anyone but, yeah. but uh, word gets around pretty quick and and word of mouth and it's and especially with social media overnight you know that it can put you out of business i just i just had a uh or, you know, someone can complain. I just had a uh, piece of dirt in my fish at so-and-so last night, you know. Yeah. So, and in the age of, you know, not having to prove anything even uh, in some cases, so all the word gets out, everyone takes this fact. You just say it. That's it. Well, that's why the good and bad. I mean, social media has done a lot of great things for sure. a lot of great causes, but it's also mm -hmm. probably hurt some people in some ways too, you know. Yeah. But it, that's... But, it's uh, accountability. I mean, you can't really get away with stuff. 
like that these days. I mean, like, no, yeah, they're gonna get you. It'll it'll, it'll come out in the end. It yeah. usually does. So, yeah. So there's the truth, and that's a good thing. So. So why do you think most businesses who start out like like for the first year um, fail? I mean, what what's going to be their killer most of the time? And when they start, and if they don't have a differentiating idea. Uh, usually, uh, as I see, you know, they just, they're trying to make money. Today, it's more important for especially millennials and younger that you better don't tell me you know your profit. Tell me your purpose. Mm. And so, if these guys don't have a purpose, then they're going to get beat up by Toms or other people that are doing it to give back and make it a better place to live or Earth or whatever. Would you tell somebody that, like, if they had a lot of money and yeah, today the idea kind of sucks? They better. Well, they better again. Why you're not buying Tom's shoes for the quality? You're buying it because it gives another kid without shoes a pair of shoes. So that's a cause. Yeah, and, and that's you know you don't have to be great quality wise. It just you're you're helping things out. You don't have to be Nine West or you know Christian uh, Louis Vuitton. You know. $6,000 pair of shoes. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's kind of what you're doing, but no, if you're trying to get away with something cheap or it's not going to last, well, that, that always catches up with you. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and that can hurt the brand. You know, we've seen that backfire and I'll tell you some of the best like case studies or you look at uh, over years, uh, is how brands recover like a Tylenol when some Yahoo was, you know, putting poison or whatever. Yep. Tylenol was killed. That, that should have killed that. that brand, but they yeah. did, you know, absolutely everything right. They immediately, they took the hit. You know, yeah. they recalled every Tylenol bottle in America and it cost them a fortune. But yep. they did it and they assured everyone that it's all been, and they, you know, they relaunched and they're still around the day, what, 30 and years was later. Was that the thing, the breaking seal thing? Is that when that's, that came that's, out? That's when the seal started, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, you can go back through, you know, different, it's even, uh, it's fun, like oil, when oil was first sold, it was always in glass, you know, glass bottles, they didn't, the guy who developed oil can, that was a modern thing too. So sometimes it's not the product, it's how the delivery system, yeah. you know, the guy who invented five-hour energy, uh, I think Manaj Bhagava is his name, brilliant guy, mm -hmm. and uh, like you said, it's not a, you know, five-hour energy is just a delivery system, it's not a, but he saw the niche that a lot of people were buying, you know, Bull or what's it called? The Red, Red Bull, Bull and, and Monster. Monster. And, then Monster. and he's thinking to himself, you know, a lot of people want the energy, but they don't want to slug down 16 ounces of whatever sure. just yeah, to get energy. Not. So mm -hmm. he said, heck, give them two ounces because that's all they want anyway. Yeah. And, and Viola, the guy just gave away literally a billion dollars, you know. That's Chuck's phone. Yes, my. I should have told him to turn it off before we started. That's how we teach the world. What is that ringtone? Uh, that is the uh, Beatles, all you need is love, because that's all the world really needs to know is love, and it would be a much better place. Are you a Beatles fan, classic rock guy? I know yeah, you I, are. Yeah, I did. I grew up with I, I, You know, there's a great clip out lately that James Carden did with, uh, he took, uh, Paul McCartney took him around his hometown of uh, Liverpool. Yeah. And it was, I like it because it's about storytelling. He talks about this, you know, first time he wrote uh, She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, with John, and how they came in, and, and they played it for his dad to audition it, you know. Yeah. And then the dad said, he says, that's a great song. He said, but, you know, these Americans use so many bad grammar. Couldn't you say she loves you? Yes, 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 instead of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they said no. And, you know, it's so Boring. great, funny story. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and then they do, she loves you, yes, yes. You know, no, that's yeah. not going to work. But uh, Paul even tells a story about... Uh, 
he goes in the bathroom like it's just a small little closet. He goes, it's called the bog in England. He, he says the bog. Here's the bog. And he goes, what? Well, he goes, listen to this. And he goes, everything sounds better in the bathroom. And there's the echo. And he, <laughs> he sticks the his head out. And he, yeah, he liked the reverb. He says, see, I even. He says, in here. He goes, well, he says, I spent hours in here. She loves you. Yeah. That's so, funny. It's funny that, you know, all, everything had a story, you know, whether it's the fiber energy guy, I mean, the guy, uh, so music, that's what, everyone's got a story behind it, and that's yeah. what's cool about it, if you can tell that story, because people love stories, and that's kind of what I'm on with my third book, it's, it's tickle the toes, touch the heart, mm -hmm. and you'll, you'll change the mind. So the best way to the, the head is not talking to the head, because no one remembers facts and figures, but we all remember stories. Yeah. So just tell cool stories about your business, and... That Minaj Bhagava just gave away a billion dollars, you know? And they go, well, you got a kid. You didn't give him a dime. He goes, no. And he goes, you gave away a billion dollars and none of your kids? He goes, we have a saying in India. He says, if you raise a kid to be useless, why would you give him money? And if you raise a child to be useful, why do they need money? So I liked his attitude. So everyone's got some That's great stories. Pretty brilliant. Like yeah. yeah, and then uh, like I, I knew, I was just thinking of a story today because my wife was talking about her Bible study, how someone... Uh, kind of after a year, for the first time, shared something with a group. You know, it was kind of like spoke up, and but it made me remember this great joke Dad had told me a long time ago. It was about a a guy who got sick of the rat race of New York City and and the craziness, so he just wanted to get away from it all. So he joins a a Buddhist convent in in India or the Himalayas, wherever. And and uh, but the, the rule where you couldn't talk, uh, speak for five years, and then every five years you got two words. So he's there five years laboring away, living the life of, you know, monk up in the Himalaya. And finally, after five years, he gets two words. And they go, oh, go ahead, what are your two words? He goes, bed hard. <laughs> and I'm going, great. <laughs> so five more years go on. He gets his, you know, second. Ten years, what have you got to say? Shot he gold. goes, food bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, the never 50, so 15 years, they go, okay, you finally get two more words. You've had four. What do you want to say after 15 years? He goes, I quit. <laughs> and they go, no wonder. All you've been doing is complaining ever since you got here. <laughs> so, you know, that's a great story. Yeah. But now, would you remember it? Yeah. But if, if I was trying to make a point that, look, he didn't have a lot of words, but when he said something, they counted, you know. Yeah. So that'd be a great story to make your words count or what. That's cool. But that's why, you, you know, and even why Jesus told stories, because we all like stories. Yeah. You know, if I say, hey, Jared, I'm cool, or you should buy this for me, well, your BS antennas come up real quick. But yeah. if I go, once upon a time, all that fades away because it's just a story. Yeah. And we're wired for stories. We were telling stories around campfires long before a guy named Gutenberg who invented the printing press and printed the Bible in the 1600s. So long before that, we, we, how do we pass all this information? You know, social media was strictly verbal, face-to-face. -face. So we're wired for storytelling. And today, whether you do it on Instagram or Snapchat or radio or whatever, it's... I think if you can tell your story, your business story through storytelling, that's the best. You know, every, all their customers have stories. How come they're not talking about it? That's the best is, you know, I can tell you I'm good. Yeah, but, but how does like a laundromat tell their story? You know what I mean? Like how, that, that might be true for a brand who like Tom's who has a great story to tell. But if you're cleaning clothes or something, how do you find a story? You know? What, you know, most people, again, it's what's my point of difference. I, yeah. I could go, uh, let's add, let's get a liquor license because kids are sitting around bored and usually they're younger kids since they're at a washing, you know, they don't have their own washing machine, but so they probably don't have a house. So they're renters, they're younger. So they probably still the bar age, a lot of them. So let's 
add a liquor license, and then you have the new mm-hmm. concept called duds and suds. Okay, <laughs> so seriously, I mean, that, you've heard of that, or it's been around. No, I thought you just made that up. No, 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 so no that's that. legit. So, oh, that's cool. No, so if, if you stay alive long enough, you see all this stuff happening. Yeah. So. And I don't know, that's happened a while ago. But again, so that's their thing, you know. You can drink while you're sitting around bored. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And we used to do that anyway. We just had to go down the street and hope our clothes were still there when we come back three <laughs> hours later, half, you know, tanked. Yeah. And sometimes they weren't there anymore. So so that made sense, you know. Or maybe it's a guy, maybe it's about someone wanting to look better because that's really why you do laundry. No one wakes up and says, I need me some laundry. It's because I don't, I don't want to smell anymore. I ran out of underwear from college or I'm tired of... So there's different reasons why. So if I can pinpoint where the brighter guys, where the quick guys, where the cheap guys, where the you can drink with us while you and party while you work guys. Yeah. It's just which guy are you? And then That's once cool. you decide I'm this guy, then you take it, you know, to the marketplace. Yeah. So That's and some awesome. will monetize better than others. But uh, you know, our job is just to help, like I said, get people where they're already going. And and if I can make it sticky or give people a reason again, help them differentiate. Yeah. And either it's it's a true difference maker or it's what I call a bluff with fluff. It's just something that is memorable. And uh, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have to, but it's, again, uh, toys for tots. It's, it's uh, when you do alliterative rhymes, things like that, up your nose with a, you know, liar, liar, pants. Yeah. You know, why do we say that? Because you remember that stuff. It's, yeah. it's rhymes or it's alliterative. So That's why we have jingles and all that. Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, I can. I, the more I uh, observe the results, you know, the ROI of, of marketing campaigns, jingles are, are just unbelievably powerful. Because, again, the repetition, the consistency, and they just keep pounding. And I call it non-permission marketing, you know? Hmm. Uh, and, again, I'm, I'm over 60 now, but when I grew up, uh, I'd hear a jingle you know, for a cigarette company called Winston. Mm. And we'd go, Winston, taste good like a cigarette should. And uh, all of a sudden, no one knew that jingle anymore because cigarettes were out. It was deemed so powerful that the federal government outlawed that jingle. Get outlawed, out. No, they outlawed all radio. And so t- they Because the marketing was too effective? Because they they felt it was so strong and it made wow. kids smoke because the jingle would get in their head. They outlawed all radio and television advertising. Because they, of that jingle, the sex of Well, because of they felt of the, the yeah. impact of what the radio and TV... Yeah. They didn't outlaw newspaper. They didn't stop magazines. Yeah, but the reach is not Joe, as big. Joe Camel was out, out there strong, but yeah. it, they could never bring it to life anymore the way radio and TV. And that's the other thing with radio and TV that I like so much. It's it's. Did that it, affect alcohol emotion. that way too? Is that, yeah, is yeah. that why they did yeah. that? Well, okay. and also because the federal government could, they were in charge of broadcast licenses. And they sure. Probably did that. They did, yeah. It would have been tougher to do with print, honestly, because it was freedom of speech. They didn't have to have a license to have a printing press. Yeah. Um, so that's the, cool. it's just the things that happen over the years. But yeah, if you grew up with that, or or even the day I can say, uh, I, I wish I was an Oscar, and most people think they're wieners. You know why? You know, don't tell your therapist that. How long do you want to be a wiener? You know. <laughs> so, but that, it just gets in your head, and once it's in, it it's very uh, indelible. It's it's in probably for good. You'll probably take it to your grave. Have you? Ever, so go ahead. No, oh, it's just the power of a jingle, and why we think we're wieners. <laughs> That's going to be right at the top of the podcast. I'm just going to cut that. <laughs> That's the right headline there. Yeah, right there. There you go. So have you ever worked with a um, business that you just genuinely did not believe in, that you thought they weren't being authentic, they're just, this is not? Only when I sold ads, you know, as a radio really? sales guy or television salesman. Have you ever had to tell someone, like, I don't even believe you, man, like, you no, know? No, I just didn't come back or I, okay. I'm not going to, because I know what's going to happen. Uh, or if they're a shyster, you know. 
Um, they're, hard, they're hard sell. They don't keep their promises. Okay. Um, in the old days, I mean, that was rampant with a lot of auto dealers. And sure. even, even today, most auto guys, guys in the car business are... The head of uh, marketing for Toyota, I forgot his name now, he said, uh, most people in the car business are all ad ferrets on steroids. They're jumping around all over the place. They can't stick with anything, and that's true. Uh, I did have one car guy for about, I guess it was five years before he finally went off the grid. Is it with your business now or back then? No, my ad agency marketing business now. Because, okay. they, you know, they stuck. I mean, that's amazing for a car guy to stay on message for five years. But sure. they all of a sudden they start getting real itchy and crazy. You know, got to have a sale, man. They just get this little itch because yeah. they're. will do anything. It's old school and, and it is what it is. And, and so there's a couple categories like that. But Do you have a favorite advertising campaign of all time or ad? Radio or TV? You know, not a super favorite. I mean, I had some funny ones. Or influential, you know, like, maybe? Uh, well, the Kmart thing that, that bombed horribly, but shipped my pants, S-H-I-P, if that enunciate. Uh, but that was a funny, you know, campaign. Um, and it didn't work, but it was a great example of, of getting attention and not really speaking to a, having a difference maker. But, no, there's a lot of great radio ads. and I've, In fact, I kind of collected some over the years. And What do you think and, about people going towards, like, the sexual route? Because I think I told you the story one time, but I one time in my copywriting class in college, I had this uh, assignment to make a print ad for um, a company called The Green Egg, Big Green Egg, which is a grill. Yeah. And so I made this ad where, like, this guy is, like, walking in. He has his arm over his girlfriend, and he kind of, like, is looking behind her and checking out the grill and my tagline was nice rack uh-huh. and she failed me. She's like, you know, that's a cheap, that was a cheap attempt. You know, that's, that's kind of lame. Yeah. Do you agree with that sentiment? Do you think people should stay away from that? Or do you think that works? Just make sure your teacher is not a card carrying member of now or, or so, you know, <laughs> that probably is not a, uh, well, she was a feminist. She well, was like, uh, oh, right, like right. That. So that's not good. You yeah. know? So I just thought it was a good idea. I thought a, she would that appreciate was a it. Suicide but she message right I know, there. I know. But I, no, I mean, to me, look, uh, seduce me, shock me, surprise me, delight me, something, but don't bore me to death. Okay? Yeah. So, so can you go in that realm? More, or? Well, that's an attention getter. And, you know, in the end, probably no, because it's the it, uh, there's a it's a shtick, you know. Yeah, it is and a shtick. What you want is a campaign and be known for something. You know, Geico has a lot of stories, shticks, but it always comes back to where the guys 15 minutes will save 15%. And that's the mortar that ties unifier. all those camels on hump day and cavemen and and manatees wearing you know and now hypnotists or whatever the current sh- but again it's all tied together with a visual hammer that same logo look and that is uh, laura reese calls it and and also a uh, this battle cry 15 minutes 15 percent and remember it's not the pictures again it's the words that inflame the hearts of men like nice rack i mean who wouldn't agree with that? or more well, how about more like give me <laughs> liberty or give me death yeah or make America great again, MAGA. So whether you like it or not, those words get people fired up, good and bad. But you know the words, and, and you know who said them. Yep. You know, if you go back to the campaign in uh, 2016, uh, you know his opponent uh, Hillary had, uh, I think, 11 slogans in about 12 months. She did. Yeah. So I, I, all I know is I'm with her. It's the only one I know. Her last one was stronger together. Yeah, but, I remember. You know, that. if they just started with that and done that for 12 months straight, they would have. Well, no, every month they got a new. It's like the ad. It's like the business owner. This ain't working. Let's do yellow. Let's do TV. Let's not. Let's do some Facebook. Well, if it's not let's... working, should they not try something different? 
not after 30 days. Yeah. You know, a brand isn't built in, in days or weeks or months. A brand is built in years. So yeah. most of my clients, we don't even measure it until the end of the first year. How would you know? Really? If well, I'm not well, yeah. trying to grow your sales on a weekend or a month. I'm trying to change your trajectory to go from a million to two million. Or I can tell you about a pest control guy in Missouri that went from one million to seven million single location. Or a dentist in La Crosse, Wisconsin, that's doing probably close to ten million single. What amount of time though? The average dentist in America does one point three million. This guy does ten million. Well, it's been fifteen years. But again, very Still awesome. Very focused, and everyone knows them. And he doesn't talk about teeth. He talks about what you're really buying, which is a smile. Everyone wants a smile. You don't but know. everybody's selling that. Everybody's saying that. But he says it repetitively and consistently. We love to see a smile. And you know, I can go anywhere in that town and say, I love to see it. And they go, well, that's that dentist. That's awesome. So, yeah, and, and that's the beauty of, of again, getting a, a people pinned down, not letting it out for air, because I'm coming back to the same program or Seinfeld or Friends or the same radio station of the same music that people come back to every day. And over time, it's basically non-permission marketing. You know, Oscar Mayer didn't ask you permission, but you think you're a wiener. So that's, <laughs> that's the way it is. I'm going to do a wiener count in this podcast. Well, it's, it's in the word wiener. All this is, Because uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely uh, the first time, I think. Sounds self-working. If, if you, I mean, the basics to me of, of what branding or of what I call brands formation, my, my system... It's just linking one memory to another. That's really all it is. You know, if I say pink again, you think breast cancer. If I say I wish I wasn't Oscar, I know what you're going to say. So uh, because those words have been programmed in or that link has been established, the hard part is connecting the link, yep. you know, and that's really what we do is that, again, how do you connect a link? You pin people down. You hit them with a lot of frequency and consistency, and then hopefully your strategy is to differentiate in a way because I'm the fast guy or I'm the cheap guy or I'm the slow guy. You know, uh, maybe it's I want to be slow. Maybe, you know, like uh, there's a ketchup company that said we can't say thick and rich because everyone says thick and rich. Right. You know, those are those are it's like quality and service. Those words suck. No one believes them because they're so overused. Yeah. But so this ketchup company goes, how do we say thick and rich? I know we're the slowest ketchup in the West. So there's different, or the guy, my kitchen guy, you know, he wanted to be the quality kitchen guy. Well, yeah. no one's going to stand in line because they're the quality guy. That word's a joke, you know. But how do you say, so then how do you say it without saying it? Kitchens built in the tradition of my slightly obsessive Amish heritage. Oh, mm -hmm. oh I know who you are. You know, he's the Amish guy. We could have said that, but slightly obsessive Amish, just a little... That, Clicks a little that's bit. who they are. They're obsessive You'll about what? That. Quality. You know, and slightly obsessive is a way to say Amish, quality without saying quality. So yeah. how do you say, trust me? Jared, trust me. You're going, why are you saying that? You're making, you're creeping me up. Well, I would never trust you. No, but you, you get people to say, to trust you by by talking or saying family or friend. Like you got a friend in the business or you got a family. It's just like having family in the business, you know? Because yeah. you trust your family or friends. You don't have to like them, but you got to love them. <laughs> and uh, you trust him, you know. Yeah. My dad was right. He said, I think, uh, he said, the only bookkeeper you better not trust is the one you trust. Hmm. And I've seen a lot of business, small businesses, you know, have embezzlement problems and stuff over the year. But how they stop that is, you know, usually someone in the family is doing the books. And, again, you don't have to like them or love them, but you, at least you trust them. They're not going to, you know, mess over a family member because they are family after all. So... Trust is implicit with the word family or, or friend. And 
So again, just like Amish, you can say, trust me by saying, so it's learning, you know, the language and, and sometimes you can change the language. You know, we had a guy who was, uh, uh, he was the uh, uncomfortable HVAC guy and everything was uncomfortable, you know. Hey, I didn't know you were pregnant. I'm not. Oh, got foot in the mouth disease, uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be a little sexist, I suppose. So, but everyone, you know, that replaced the the uh, lexicon, the the dialogue. I mean, the people in that city, kids, instead of saying awkward, they just started going uncomfortable. So when people start using your words, and that's probably the, the, the hardest part is getting in someone's head. The second thing is then you know it's working not from the dollars the, for, at first. It's usually because people start talking about your campaign. Yeah. And and most people that spend money in advertising don't get, as Chris Farley said many years ago and Tommy Boy, Jack Squat. <laughs> and they don't. You know, they, they have very little to show for their money. And and so yeah. that's always, you know, if there's going to be a marketing or business epithet, uh, probably on my gravestone, it would be you always look for one thing. Did it get results? Because if it didn't, why are we doing it? So, and probably the best way you can make sure that happens is not even preventing or it's too late after, you know, it all starts in the beginning and you got to ask three worded, a three worded question probably. What is success? Hmm. You know, of the money I'm ready to spend here in Facebook or Tinder or broadcast radio or whatever, what do I expect to happen? And if you don't know the answer, don't spend the money. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> How are you going to know when you, when you get there? You know, so... So speaking of Trump, so is our current administration have any um, influence, positive or negative, on people who are trying to start a business? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, it doesn't matter the, the party affiliation. It's just if you think the economy is going well, you got a lot more people willing to risk their personal capital and start their own businesses. Do people think that right now? Well, if we're at the lowest unemployment rate for... Like fifty years or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. and you don't hear that much because the, the you know a lot of the media doesn't want to talk about that. But no, it's very. I mean, it's a it's a robust time for business. I mean, we've been on a great run, and we had nowhere to go but up after the the crash, whenever that was in two thousand eight. Yeah, so it was kind of slow uh, through the Obama years. But you know, he wasn't necessarily a pro business guy either. He, he did a different agenda, and that's fine. And yeah. And he thought 3% was considered good, and that's fine for him. And and some people, you know, felt you could do better than that. And that's Trump's a business guy. He's not a politician, obviously, and he's horrible at politics. But, you know, he, he he's made some promises, and some people felt he's kept at least what he said he's going to do. Whether you like it or not, he still is doing it. Whether you agree with the, the wall or not, he's still going to keep pushing that because that's what he said. So, And people appreciate that. You know, don't give me crap, whatever you say. At least stick with your word and... So I think that's resonated with with some people. Sure. Um, but from the business point, you know, business is good if interest rates are low, if uh, it's a good time to grow and start business. And, and my experience, especially in this day and age, is a lot of people don't want to even do what I did, which is you go through the Fortune 500 route and learn business and mm-hmm. put in your due diligence with IBM for 10 years and at least learn what a Fortune 500. Today, a lot of people just want to do their own jam. Just do it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they want their side hustle to be their full job, is which I don't smart? blame you. Is that you know? wise? I mean, if you can do that, um, I think there's something to be said about learning how business runs and yeah. working in a big uh, sales and marketing organization, you know, or a big agency in my case, or a big radio group, or just so you get to understand what, how the world revolves and, and you... You know, and generally, if you 
do that and you're good at what you do, you're going to find a niche. I, I yeah. still remember a guy, uh, I haven't seen him in years, and it was Craig Christensen. Craig, I had bring him in, and he would teach at my sales training class at the university, we call it, for salespeople, marketing and broadcast. But he sold for IBM. And, and uh, you know, guys that sold for IBM back then, they dressed, looked, and acted like bank presidents, man. They Heck all yeah. wore three-piece suits, and, and they were respected. They weren't a sales guy like a car salesman or yeah. insurance. It's like, wow, this is like this guy looked like. And and I would bring Craig in to do the training because half of it, and what he said, it just how he presented himself. Well, like, well, this guy had class. He was educated. He was, And he had one account. He had just one account, the University of Wisconsin. And and they were so good, his office was right there on the University of Wisconsin grounds, you know. So imagine in sales, you know, you've got one account and you're all, you're so good, your office is inside your client's office. Yeah, that'd be, that, that's, that's when you own the own the business. And they did. They weren't a great uh, technically uh, product, you know. I yeah. mean, actually, if you look at the Consumer's Report back in the 60s, Wang had the best computer, better than IBM, but no one's looking Never at Never even heard of that. Anyone looking at Wang? Wang? I don't think so. So they're not in business anymore. So, yeah. you know, along with a lot of, Xerox had a computer, a lot of people had a computer. And so, uh, but what made IBM good was their service delivery. Anyone could buy a box or a computer. What they did is they made it work. And first on the big scale with the, with the mainframes. But their legend in the 60s was if your mainframe went down, they'd have guys jumping out of planes, man, overnight. And they'd be working that sucker overnight. And at 7.59 a.m., that baby would be up running for a business. Yeah. Day. And that's what you're buying. Yeah. You know, I don't care what the box looks like. Just make the sucker work. Yeah. And that hasn't changed the day, really, in the in the biz and in, in computers. But... HP then came out with a great, you know, thing is that they realized that the the industry was moving so fast, and and IBM didn't want to get a laptop sold off the division to Lenovo a long, you know, time ago, but and Lenovo was making them under the IBM brand actually, but uh, that was the future, and they didn't want to get into it. So HP gets into it, and and uh, they didn't. I think I guess they're still around in, in laptops, but they they had one mantra. They said this industry is changing so fast uh, that our number one thing internally is that anything we make today, anything we invent today, our number one objective is to make damn sure it's obsolete within 18 months. Hmm. I mean, that that's a change. You know, you talk about that's today, insane. they talk about change or what is it? I don't know, the shock or whatever in the marketplace. And that's always been around, you know. And, and so, but they, they just realized, look, that is the market talking. Yeah. Because you know, if they don't do it, somebody else will. Oh yeah. So they might as well make it obsolete because why wait for you know Apple to come along or get and, it. and they did. So. Yeah. So you know that's that's when you realize that especially in electronics and things like that things move pretty darn quick. So for a small business owner, um, you know, I hear the people who win the race really are, you know, how they say like uh, slow and steady wins the race. You know, mm-hmm. people who have. What they say, what they call grit, basically. You know, like you might not have a successful business one, two, three, grit, four, five grit years. Grit gets you through the bumps. Everyone, show me someone famous. I'll show you someone's been beat but up. Is and, there a point like where your business, yeah, you're having grit, but is there a point to where you should recognize, hey, this actually might not be a good endeavor after all, and I should abandon? Because I mean, many people start businesses and abandon it before it even had the chance to flourish. Right. That's true. But is there a situation? Well, they don't have the holding power. I mean, that's the biggest mistake most new businesses have is they're undercapitalized and they yeah and i can't tell you probably the number of great business concepts that were out there and they just didn't have the holding power they couldn't make it they ran out of money 
do they think they misspent it or it's just not enough? Like, I mean, uh, sometimes it wasn't enough for the category. I mean, that's you look, yeah. watch. I'll tell you, a great show is like Shark Tanks because that that is really how you got to think about stuff. Because you might have a great concept, but how much you're going to make for selling each one of these items? What's your margins? And and you know, if you're selling cars and you can make five thousand a car, that's a lot different than selling Titex at a penny a Titex. So all the economics, and you say how many of these things I got to sell to make money and pay my expenses and. So some it takes a year or two if you got a proprietary thing and no one's ever heard of it before, and then you you know now you got to educate the market on what this thing even does. So it's all that together. But generally, most people that start small businesses don't have enough money. I'll tell you when they quit is when they run out of money. They don't have a choice. They got their credit card maxed, and yeah, you know I can tell you about a great uh, pet you know company uh, in Wisconsin, and and she always, she says my job is picking up pet poop. And uh, it's, it was a doggy daycare, you know, but she's morphed it into kennels. She bought an old warehouse or revamped it. And, and now she does a whole training gig that, you you know, you give her the, the dog and three weeks later you get your dog trained and they've kenneled it and for whatever, $2,000. So, you know, you can make pretty good money per pooch at two grand a, a dog. That's uh, insane. And you're still picking up pet poop, but now you're doing it at a higher level because you're training the dog. You're giving more value for the service. So you learn, you know. She didn't know that in the beginning. Her job was just going up picking up pet poop, you know. And and so now she does it for two grand a dog instead of, you know, a, $2 a day or whatever it was when she... That's so you learn where the niche is, just like this guy from IBM. You know, he left because he saw a niche that IBM didn't want to touch. It was too small for them. Well, it was a multi-multi-million dollar niche, hmm. you know, but no one, you know, it wasn't a big deal for mighty IBM. So that's what he did, you know, and, and he's done very well, multi-multi-millionaire, I guess now, and because he found this one niche, and when he left IBM, he decided he'd, you know, see if he could take a risk, which he did, his own capital and time, and he filled the niche and grew it and has done well. So do you have to, is a niche, do you think, crucial to success? I mean... In a tight category, you know, unless you've invented or developed something that's unique and then you got the education problem again, how do I get it out? I've talked to a number of people over the years that it probably has some pretty good stuff, but it's just, again, how do I get it out there? Yeah. I, I remember one woman and I had a, uh, they were pretty cool uh, cases for phones, you know, but again, it's just... She wasn't the first one to come up with no, it. A million and, people have done that. Yeah, and so you can make an online business maybe, but... You know, most of these, I call them side hustles, you know, things we kind of like to do where we make money on the side of a regular job. And that generally is what they'd probably rather do at some point. Sure. So, but again, there's some great stories. A guy uh, on Shark Tank, uh, Damon Johns, he talks about FUBU was his, you know, thing. and But he, was, he did that out of the back of a trunk, you know. The FUBU brand for us, by us, it was the hip hop. And no one had, yep. you know, sportswear for hip hop. And uh, Nike was telling them not to wear their stuff, so. So he found a niche. He said, "No one's getting hip. No one has, you know, clothes. No, hip hop doesn't have their own clothing." Hmm. So that was his vision, and that's where Fubu was, you know. And he, the way he got it in is he started giving it to the bodyguards for the the big hip hop guys. So uh -huh. The bodyguards say, "How how come I don't get this free stuff?" <laughs> or, or or the star gets it because he sees all his bodyguards wearing it. So now the star's wearing Fubu, and that's when the thing really took off, you know. But yeah. Damon, Damon Jones was selling this out of the back of a trunk, you know, and the, and the interviewer, Guy Raz, I, I remember, I asked him, he says, don't you have to have licenses and stuff in like New York City you're selling? He goes, yeah. He says, I didn't have any of that stuff. <laughs> I just did it. He goes, I had one thing that those guys didn't have. He goes, what's that? He goes, I could run faster. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you know, everyone's That's got awesome. a story and everyone, everyone's yeah. got to start somewhere. But, you know, and, he, and, and again, you learn as you go. The other, another great part was he bought a skull cap, a, a stocking cap. Mm. Because Marvin Gaye, which was a great singer at the time, that's what he'd wear. It was kind of like what kids, white kids would wear with a beanie on top, only they didn't have beanies. It was just a skull cap thing. So he'd gone, he wanted to get one because Marvin Gaye had what cost him like 30 bucks by the time he paid for bus fare to get in the downtown New York City. And So his mom worked for IBM or some big company in New York City. But on the side, she was a seamstress. So he comes home. She goes, you know, what's that? He goes, what would you pay? He goes, $27. She mm -hmm. goes, son, you're an idiot. <laughs> that cost you a buck in material. Because <laughs> she was a seamstress. She knew. So yeah. she sent him down to the clothing store for, with $40. He buys $40 of material. And she makes 80 hats out of this. Because it was just one long tube. And she started clipping it. You tie one end, the other. And now you got a beanie hat. Yeah, yeah. Hat, skull cap. So... She gives him 80 hats that she made and, and how he made in two hours. <laughs> and she goes, go sell those on the street corner. You know? Yeah. So he sells, I don't know what he sold, but he made 800 bucks, he said, you know, selling beanies for caps for two hours on a street corner oh outside of mall. That's incredible even now. Well, right. and he said this, you know, all of a sudden, you know, so he's coming home and, and all of a sudden he's got $800 cash. He's never had that much money in his hand ever. And he said he's thinking to himself, okay, the, the, the wheels start clicking, the lights come on. Wait a minute, I paid $40. Yeah. It took me two hours, and I just made, in two more hours, I just made 800 bucks. Let's think yeah. about this. And he's, he's getting excited. All of a sudden, wham, rear ends a car. <sighs> he had no insurance. The guy comes up. He goes, what, you just... He goes, I don't have any insurance. He goes, what, how much is in your hand? He goes, 800 bucks. He goes, I'll take it. And he left. Oh, my God. So true story. So I mean, funny. Easy come, easy go. Yeah. But, so all That's these, a great story. All these, and again, you're going to remember that the rest of your life because you remember, yeah. you don't remember the facts. Oh, you you just, it just worked. You don't remember what, what day that was or what, but you're, you're always going to remember that story. So, and that's why the power, I think, of storytelling. And every business has that. You know, to me, they just got to tell more of those stories. Or, again, their customers have stories about how that guy came out in the middle of the night and fixed this thing or went that extra mile. You know, that's those are great stories. We just don't tell enough of those. Instead, it's about the crappy That makes sense because stories probably allow you to relate. Personal, and there's you know, emotion. we all about, have stories. And there's emotion yeah. attached, especially when it's from the human voice. Yeah. And, again, with radio and TV, it takes it up a notch because now you got the human voice involved, and that's emotion. On a piece of paper, I got a note over there on my desk, okay, from uh, one of my sons, Luke, and it says, I love you, yeah. all right? And it's nice. It's a sticky note. It's on his little picture, you know, and he's wearing his little Packer outfit. And <laughs> and so I smile every time I look. But, you know, w when he comes and stops by once in a while, and uh, we don't see him as much anymore, he's working, living out in East Lake Dallas. And, but when he stops in, he gives you a big hug and a smile, and he looks you in the eye and says, Dad, I love you. <laughs> you know, it's a whole different level. Because yeah. now you've added the emotion and the warmth and the human voice. Yeah. Again, storytelling. We're uniquely wired for human voice and listening to sound and stories and community. So that's why. Do you think small businesses like what if let's say I only had like ten thousand dollars to spend on advertising this year? Yeah. Do you think I could try a radio spot? Not in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. But if I'm in Owatonna, Minnesota, yeah. You know, because I can dominate. You never buy more hearts or minds than you can afford to dominate. And again, mm. people make that mistake of spraying and praying and they're in five cups. No, do one cup well. Do one radio station. Do, you do buy Facebook cups? well. Yeah. Look, whatever a media is, it's a cup, you know. Yeah. And, and you get digital, there's a million cups. And so in radio, it's, it's radio station. TV, it's by the program. But they're all cups, so if you, you dominate one cup at a time. And, and again, the digital guys will say, exactly, you know, do Facebook, but do it really well. 
get your posts crisp, fresh. Make sure you're getting the interaction and people responding. And, you, and that's going to work a lot better than doing five things in Twitter and those and Snapchat, and, but doing them piss poor with only sporadic posts and no you know, response and all that. What good is that going to do? Again, you're wasting. You think you're reaching five media, social media. No, you're not. You're not even doing it. So do one really well and go deep. That's what's always going to work. I used to do this with radio because I could say, is it better on five radio stations or is it better on four with more? Or is it better just on one? And and I could always find out dollars to donuts. It's always better owning and dominating one radio station or one TV program before you add the next one. That's incredible advice. It's not that hard, but and that's the easiest thing to fix in media is the is the cup thing, you know, the dominate whatever you're in. Never try Spin to buy point, more hearts or ears than you can afford. Shotgun, yeah, yeah, because most people again, it's spray and pray, or that you got this many likes, or you know, in, in the digital world, it's, it's likes and and follows and de- deals and discounts, you know, and, and that's how it should work because it's real little man is trying to get something to happen now. But you know, they probably have done the research. More importantly, if I got to them in their brain and really done my job, they're not even Googling anything. It's a branded search. They're they already know they want you. Jared.com, and I'm not going to look that's for... That's a real website, jaredherzog.com. Well, well, there you go. So, <laughs> and, so that's a branded search. I don't want yeah. my competitors... You know, I want them to ask for me by... and search for me by name. And when you do it right, you know, really it becomes what I call permanent SEO, which, again, freaks out people in the digital world because there is no such thing as yeah, yeah. permanent... But in you know, if I, I say I wish I was an Oscar and you think you're a wiener, that that's permanent SEO, man. You're it's gonna true. take that to your grave. So that's again, if you can tell stories, pin people down over a period of time and they like you, chances are they're not gonna forget you and probably they're gonna do business with you. I mean, this ain't that hard. But what if you have a small marketing budget? Like I said with the ten thousand dollars. Well then yeah, again, uh, so if I'm in Owatana, I can buy probably a, what if I'm a in Dallas? Radio. If I'm in Dallas, I better buy a car wrap. You know, I better buy something that I can have some dominance or presence. Does the cut thing still apply? Well, yeah, be the best darn car ramp in in your five-mile area and and make sure you're in that sucker all day and getting some notice. But, you know, uh, have a great product and service. And, you know, if if you're an HVAC guy, uh, I think the average uh, air conditioning heating guy probably, I think it's like you're supposed to be doing a quarter million a truck, you know. So if I see a guy and he's got five vans, he's probably doing a little over a million, which is good. But more importantly, that's five mobile billboards that most of these guys don't yep. realize that if they all had a painted exactly the same, had a good, get all the clutter off them, have a big, big name, you know, and uh, a memorable name, you know, that that's a heck of a marketing program, frankly, before you even get into intrusive, because people say, I see those around town all the time. And then... Yeah, when you can finally dominate a radio station. And again, before, I might not be able to dominate a radio station or certainly not a television, but I can buy a station within a station. You know, maybe I only buy morning drive. Hmm. I can tell you about a jeweler who got famous by only buying overnights. He was only talking to the kids in their cars. Because know. it's cheaper to... Yeah, it's a dollar holler at night or pretty cheap and still is in, in broadcast. So yeah. and he couldn't afford anything. But, you know, so he could only buy nighttime. And not many people listen at night. But by God, if you listen at night, he owned you. Yeah. So... You tell me. He's an, he got it to be a $19 million jeweler single location, which is phenomenal. Yeah. That's really cool. So so if there's one big takeaway that you can give to, like, let's say, like me, who I, I, I want to start a business. I don't know what to do first. I don't know what – I've tried social media. I see some businesses doing it. What, what's, what, what do you think my biggest goal is? Like, what, what do I need to – what's the big takeaway? The what do I need to focus first, on the most? First, get my book – 
And uh, in the first chapter, I'll, I'll save you the money. Uh, the first chapter is all. You gonna charge me? Here it is. All hat, no cattle. No, I'll give you a signed copy, man. Thanks, man. And it'll be worth I'm 20, sell twenty-two cents at a garage sale. Uh, all hat and no cattle is the chapter. And in Texas, you know, that's a saying. Yeah, that's a Yankee thing I've never heard of up north. But yeah. I thought it was pretty cool when I heard it. You know. Or You're a, saying all head and no cattle? All hat and, you know, that all person's hat no all cattle. hat and no cattle. Gotcha. You know, these fancy guys wearing cowboy duds uh-huh. walking around town. In the old days, or, you know, 10 you know, you'd see these guys with the big belt buckles. and Yeah. But they don't have a head of cattle around. You know, they're, they're all dressed up, gussied up, as they say, but nothing to back it up. Another way maybe to say that is you can't put lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm. But either are, are pretty good sayings and make the same point. Look, whatever you're doing, whatever your service or product is, it better be good, <laughs> because all the advertising world ain't gonna help put lipstick on a pig. They ain't ever coming back. So there is no like if your business so, kind of sucks. No, and- just be good at it. yeah. If your business sucks, get a different business. Do something that's of value that people are willing to pay for. You know, yeah. and, and 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 if you really do this right. If you think about it, most business owners have some kind of specialty. You know, they're mm-hmm. known for something. If they've been around for a while, what are you known for? You're just an SOB, son of the boss, you know, because you existed and you were born into it. You know, chances are there's a, a skill or a talent or a specialty that people go, wow, these guys are really good at this. You know, whether it's the fresh meat market or the I can deliver it an hour or whatever the thing is. But you develop that skill or that specialty and really get a, re- a word of mouth reputation for it. Give me a guy like that, and I'll take you to the moon. Because that's already, they already got something good. I'm just going to, like I said, advertising doesn't solve the problem. It just gets you 100 times quicker wherever you're going. If you're bad, it'll be the springboard, the bankruptcy plan. Seriously. Because now we'll really get the word of mouth going. They'll really get the, you know, social media cranked up on how bad you suck like a Hoover. (laughs) And you'll be out of Chapter 11, Chapter 7, out of business before you know it. (laughs) Hmm. So it'll work for you or again you. Yeah. You know, so no, be good at what you do, number one, whatever it is. Number two, if you're good at it and you start developing a reputation, yeah, then then start putting some money behind it, box it, market it so it's memorable. That's a job for Bob, something that people can take with them. And it's hard to do that because mo- so many people are screaming, buy me in the marketplace. So you better have something good and you better have something that's kind of memorable that get it into the head. And then whatever you do, don't spray and pray. You know, just do one thing at a time, do it well, make sure that's monetizing, you're getting results, and then go to the next thing. Chuck, my final question is, if you weren't doing advertising, if you weren't working in uh, this business of branding, what would you be doing? Probably for a, a job for Bob Septic, I'd probably be moving porta-potties. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think... that. I've always done the same thing I've always done all my life, actually, uh, after I got off the air, and uh, which is I help make people famous. You know, it took me a while to realize that. And, and uh, you know, again, my real mission in, in life from day one in, in media was either media is the biggest hoax perpetrated on the American business person or this crap really works. Hmm. And most people couldn't measure it. Hmm. So from day one, I said, I'm only going to do things that you can measure. And the number one measure is always generally sales. Yeah. If I'm not driving sales, why you know why are we doing this? Yeah. And maybe not for a week or a month. And I was good at the short term stuff, really, you know, in the beginning. But that's not what makes a brand. You know, I don't think Yeti's ever had a sale, but the, their coolers cost five times more than an igloo. You know why? Because you because you, a bear could rip that in no time. That's like cellophane your igloo here, but a Yeti, hey, my man. God. 
So, but I wouldn't pay that probably for Yeti, but some people would because they want to brag they got a cooler that even a grizzly bear can't rip open. You yeah. know, there haven't been any grizzly bears in this office as long as I've been here. <laughs> but you dang sure got a years. Yeti. <laughs> but no, I don't have a Yeti either. Oh, I, okay. I got a Yeti uh, sticker, you know. But again, it's that when you really become a great brand, you you have followers, you got fans. You know, that's what's called a cult brand, really. Yeah. You know, Apple, that's a cult brand. I, I'm going to be driving nine hours next uh, week up to one of some of my clients in Missouri, okay? I guarantee you, in nine hours, I will never see an HP sticker. No. I will never see a Microsoft sticker. I, I'll see probably two or three Apple stickers easy. Yeah. I think Thank this has uh, really been really fascinating. Of course, I've been hearing this stuff. But, yeah, it's this is great. Uh, and I really appreciate your time. Well, uh, happy to be here. And if I can ever help you or any of the, oh, the listeners, let me know. Where can people find you? Uh, go to brandsformation.com, brandsformation.com, or uh, all my contact information there. And, and yeah. you have a couple books out, and you got one coming out too. Yep, Brandsformation, and then Brandsformation for Healthcare, and uh, the newest book, Tickle the Toes, Touch the Heart, and Own or Change the Mind. And yeah, my eighth grade English teacher is rolling in her grave, no doubt. But uh, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. So I, I, I like uh, putting it in written form so there's, you know, people could follow it. It's kind of a game plan. And uh, things keep, you know, changing in a changing world. So I'm updating as, as they go on too. But I think storytelling is, is probably something I'll be working on for a while because it's, it's so powerful. And it's probably, I think, the best way to get your, your brand, your name, a memory, a connection in, in anyone's head. So Because we're wired for it. So why not use what you're set up for, right? Chuck, it's been a pleasure. Mine too. Thanks, Jared.